Hello and welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And we've just come back from seeing Unfriended Dark Web, which is a sequel to uh, Unfriended, which came out in, I think, 2014, 2015. Oh, I didn't know it was a sequel. I haven't seen that. Yeah, it's not a direct sequel. It's a, it's a sort of spiritual sequel that, that, that retains the same style and uh, sort of ideas. Um, oh, okay. So As far as I know, I've not seen the original, but that's ah. my understanding. Because I think in the original, uh, everyone dies. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Oh, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's one of those sorts of things. So, um, what, un- what Unfriended Dark Web is is a, you could call it found footage, I'd rather call it desktop, like a desktop film, because found footage, to me, sort of says, like, home video or something like it's that. It's not a found footage film, um, that's for sure. But but I think that's the kind of umbrella these things go end up, but actually there are sort of all these different versions. What this is, though, is it's a film that is is told entirely through a screencast of the main character's computer screen. Yes. He's got a new laptop that he's stolen, um, and he's on Skype with his friends. He's on Facebook doing this, that, and the other. He's talking to people, and eventually, he, he you know he starts to figure out that he's the person whose laptop he's stolen is into some pretty shady stuff, and he's in over his head. But it's all told through this unbroken screencast yes. that brings in all these different uh, kind of websites and forms of media. I thought to that tell was amazing. Story. It's not uh, the first one that's done this. Like I said, the previous Unfriended also did it. And there is, there is a, some history of other, uh, other short films and, and, and kind of music videos and things using a similar aesthetic. There's a very famous, well, famous within kind of film circles, um, video essay by Kevin B. Lee called Transformers The Pre-Make. Right. Um, which was, I think, based on, I think it was Transformers 4. Um, he, before Transformers came out, Kevin B. Lee scoured the internet for loads and loads of footage of people who had visited the various sets where it was being filmed uh, and and took all their footage of the kind of stunts from afar and made this like 20-25 minute documentary out of all this stuff that was that was based on them and based on websites that had footage of the film and stuff like this so you kind of so he made this thing which was a sort of exploration exploration of of kind of the interplay between small screens and big budget movies and the way people interact with movies before they're even out. Very interesting. Um, anyway, there is some precedent for a film of this style, uh, but in kind of mainstream cinema, not so much. It's, mm. it's a little bit of a niche thing. I, fa- I found I had never seen it before, uh, and I found it, you know, very innovative. Uh, I thought it was kind of fascinating the way that the story was unfolding, uh, the way that the, you know the narrative information was being given to you, and also how it reproduced some of the ways that we now interact with media. So, you know, in a sense, all of the viewing is distracted. There are several things going on at the same time. Mm. I mean, not just in terms of the image uh, and you know what's happening, kind of in front of the screen, and what's happening in the background that the the person sitting the computer might not be aware of, but also just all the other kinds of things that are going on the screen. So moving forth, you know, from different uh, Facebook accounts and um, the notion of of privacy, of who knows what when you're having a Skype chat, Mm. right? And all of that stuff I thought was really, really interesting. Yeah, and it's quite intuitive as well. I mean, there are very subtle things about the ways in which um, we so, so for instance he's talking to his girlfriend and they're having a little bit of a disagreement 
and he says, talk to me, please talk to me, please talk to me. And they're doing it through Facebook messages. So he's typing. And then as he says that, you see the little three dots coming up from her saying that she's typing something and then they go away. You know, so he's watching her think about talking to him and then not. Yes. And that means something in itself. Yes. And, that's, and that is one of these subtleties of these kind of forms of communication that we've got very, very used to now. But you don't see... Uh, you see um, portrayed uh, every now and again, but this film is kind of built around those in a way. Mm. I, I thought it was very innovative because I remember a few years ago, you know, there were all of these teen films that were just using chat, like words on screen in the form of chat between characters. And I thought, oh my God, this is so interesting. This is going to transform the way stories are told, yeah. right? Because you can now put text on screen in these really interesting ways. And, you know, I mean, um, uh, and actually what I thought the potential of it was much more interesting than what in fact I was seeing. Um, but nonetheless, you know, this is at a whole other level, at a whole other conceptual level, really. Yeah, it's really, uh, really sort of complete and uh, sort of hermetically sealed sort of yes. environment of this type of filmmaking. That said, whilst I found the concept fascinating, I wasn't that involved in the film. Really? Yeah. I found myself fairly involved. I, I, I guess, because I've said what the premise is, I guess we can say spoilers are going to be uh, coming up from now on. Yeah. The basic idea is that these, these, these group of kids on Skype are in over their heads. Yes. Um, uh, and particularly with a, with a group of with a with a kind of shady society based on the dark web, which is obviously the subtitle of the film is dark web, mm. and and this this computer uh, has a program which accesses the dark web. So through that, then they they start uncovering some mm. very threatening things. Spoilers here on let's say. Yes. I mean, that's, that's very I must say Spoilers I'm, here on. I must declare kind of my interests really because you know I think I should say I really don't like horror. Yeah, I kind of I don't like to be scared. Um, I kind of, yeah, I, I, the only reason why I'm watching it at the moment is because I think it's the most interesting genre around, really, uh, for, you know, for many reasons, kind of formal reasons as well as kind of the social critiques that it does. So I'm seeing it for professional reasons, but it's really not, <laughs> it's really not something I, I enjoy. Yeah. Like, you know, kind of unlike a thriller or a Western or a musical, which you know, I just kind of, I love the form of it, right? Kind of, I, it has to be really bad for me not to get some pleasure out of it. These these films, you know, I'm also so easily jolted. Yes. <laughs> You're a jumpy boy. I would, I would, I'm tempted to agree, but actually what I think is the case is that there is so much mediocre and bad horror, and I don't pretend to be like an aficionado or anything mm. like that at all, I'm not. I mean, that's why we got Matt Denny on a few weeks yeah, ago to yeah, talk yeah. about Hereditary. Like, he, he, he's a guy who knows horror properly, yes. you know. I'm not like that at all. Um, but if, if, I don't like to be scared if it's kind of bad. But actually, if, if a horror film is really good and gets under my skin, mm. then and, and it is terrifying me, then obviously that's unpleasant because I'm being terrified. But there's nothing really like it. And I enjoy that, okay. that thrill. Well, I don't, right? So I'm just saying, yeah. you know, that that's where I'm coming from. But like, even, but what you mean is even a good horror that is actually working properly. Yes. You still don't like. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I still don't like the experience of having been scared, surely. Sure. And in a way, sometimes the better it is, you know, the the more <laughs> I dislike it. Yeah. Right? Like, sure. <laughs> so all of that 
you know, to say the kind of my engagement or my lack of engagement, which is, is usually at least my base point to begin thinking about films is kind of like distorted in relation to horror by that fact. Yeah, that mm. kind of, you know, my responses, you know, to myself kind of mean something other than that, that what I would normally kind of take them to mean, you know. So I think my, for example, not being engaged in this film could be, you know, for those reasons instead of the film being unengaging. Um, though I did, I did find it um, unengaging. I mean, you know, so the premise is that this young man steals a computer. Well, he says he bought it. Then he said that he saw it in a cyber cafe hanging around for weeks and finally took it, really, because yeah, no they, one was claiming it. Yeah. So, um, and, you know, what happens is that in the process of using this computer, he begins to find out that he's somehow involved in the dark web you know, that uh, women are being killed in monstrous ways, that there's like dozens and dozens of videos kind of demonstrating how they're being killed, uh, and that $10 million has been put into the account of this computer to perform the next murder. Essentially, That's yeah. Well, the, the, the $10 million, I think, is built up over a long series of these um, but but ultimately that's the that's the case. Well, I'm heading to kind of the halfway point of the plot because then what happens is, you know, the guy who's chasing his you know back his computer uh, finds his girlfriend, uh, 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 finds everybody else in fact, and they become constantly under surveillance. And uh, you know, and I wanted to bring up that point because kind of the film feeds into the paranoia that we all have about electronic media, about Facebook, about you know, being under surveillance from our own computers and in our own homes, mm -hmm. right? And kind of, you know, being easily traceable. Uh, you know, kind of, we live in a world where, you know, now we can't hide yeah, the way that, at least theoretically, we thought we could, we could hide before, mm. you know, um, surveillance cameras and mobile phones. And yeah, you, there's nowhere in the world that you can be lost with if you have a mobile phone. Yeah. Uh, uh, so the film feeds into all of that, you know, paranoia about those things or maybe it's not paranoia maybe you know it's true but it certainly kind of depicts that world and so there's there's three things there's that world where we're constantly under surveillance there's a gamers world yeah and I think there's a language of games uh, uh, that's being deployed uh, in the film mm. and then there's also the mystery of a dark web full of crime and secrecy you know, and something that only people who are like really expert at using computers uh, and usually involved in a kind of a criminal underworld where all kinds of sordid and horrid things happen have access to. And so the film connects all of those three elements and the game begins, really. Yeah, so um, it, it's, it's, it plays on that the idea of the dark web being this, this incredibly scary, hidden aspect of the world in which... Yeah, and it, and it's true that you know this the dark web is a, a place to find to buy drugs, and to hire assassins if you want, and to sexual crimes are you know bought and paid for. And all this. It's it's um it has all that, but I mean it's also true that the dark web is saying that people like you and I who are not criminals mm. can and should be using to be honest because yes. you have access to everything else that's already on the internet that we use every day mm. it, it's just that it does a good job of hiding you mm. you know so actually like uh, 
you know, if we are kind of scared of, of, of Facebook tracking us and hiding us and stuff, like, it, it, it's not a bad place to be to, to get a to slightly better level of protection. Like, the reason that crime hangs out there is because it's good at hiding people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, but, but obviously the film plays on the... Um, uh, the, the the scary sort of aspect of it, yes. the criminal aspect, and um, and I think it it creates a a really good kind of level of threat. I mean, my heart was pounding at okay. points, you know, and I what and I don't think the film builds up kind of huge amounts of tension. Maybe one or two points it does, but I'm thinking maybe the bit where the girl has to choose yeah. between her mother and her fr- and her, her, her fiance. Uh. That's that's a that's a really effective scene. Actually. It didn't work on me. Really? Yeah. The countdown. I thought it was. I thought it was forced, and also, I just thought it was silly girl kind of. You know, make a choice. You know, how it's going to develop, right? Like <laughs> maybe, but it got it got a good reaction from the audience as well. I mean, there were points that you because it, it's what that what the what the, the the hackers, the people in charge of the computer who are kind of taking over, do is they they show a recording of the couple that they were unaware of being taken because it was they hacked into the computer and access the microphone and such and such so they show this recording that they've stolen they've taken and stolen that shows this couple in love and the the one girl saying I don't want you to have to choose and then they, they replay that I don't want you to have to choose and they turn it into okay here's your uh, fiance on in the subway station here's your mother dying of cancer in the hospital choose which one and and it sets up this it, it's when you see those two kind of video feeds come up on the screen, you know, there's a, a gasp from the audience member behind me. <gasps> oh, God. Mm. You know, you could tell, like, this is going to be a bit. Mm. And and I agree that it maybe it could have been resolved slightly differently. Um, the film's ultimate project is to kill everybody mm. in the most cruel way it can. Yes, I um, thought it was kind of nihilistic in that sense, actually. But I, but I did think it had effective sequences of that store, and, and I think it created um, some, some real tension and threat at points. Mm. I mean, I cared. About, I didn't care about the characters, but I was invested in. It. I wanted it, it, when it sets up that the, the the guy's girlfriend is deaf mm. and she doesn't know that she's being followed, and the, his and the main character's whole thing is protecting her. Yes. Um, to, really, at the expense of other things. Um, at some points. I was unmoved. Yeah. And unconvinced. I, I, you know, I wanted her to live. I, th- <laughs> well, um, I think more could have been done with that. Yeah. And in yeah. fact, actually. Um, so, uh, spoilers again. I mean, this is a film in which everybody dies, right? And you find out at the end of the film that really it's all been a game for other people, and that they've been they've been the game. Yeah, kind of yeah. offing them has been the game. The uh, computer was actually left as bait. Yeah. So that this game could take place. So that this game of which they are the victims. Well, yeah, because so the, the the kind of the overarching joke really is what it is is that. These guys who are who are friends, they have game nights on mm. Skype and they play Cards Against Humanity and other things over Skype. And then it turns out that their game night is part of this evil dark web society's game night, yes. where a lot of money is wagered on. It's great actually that final pull out from the screen at the end of the film mm. that shows all these other things going on and it has odds, the mm. over under on whether the kid's going to try and save his girlfriend or which one of the the, the wife or the mother the girl's going to choose. It has odds on this thing yeah. and shows the bets. That's quite good fun actually. Well, the thing, well, it <laughs> might it might be good fun on a certain kind of conceptual level, but I think it's a measure of how uninvolving. The you know the characters were and their plight in terms of the way that it was presented, that actually the film can safely off all of them, 
uh, leave us smiling at these strangers and at this idea of a game. Uh, and, um, uh, and that's it. So actually, you know, we don't care enough about any of the people who were actually killed to feel it as a terrible loss at the end of it. And I think, yeah, maybe. Um, I, don't, I mean, I don't think loss exactly is what is what I am looking to feel in a film like this. You know, if, if I'm kind of thinking that people are going to start dying, it's more that I want to, I want to see interesting or creative or or sort of fun ways in which they die. But in order for you to f- to feel any of that, you have to have the wish that they survive. That there's something at stake in their death or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or survival. And the thing is that. You know, this film does it so casually, and it does it can do it so so casually because actually it doesn't set up a situation where you really care. Maybe, maybe not. Like I said, I think I, I think it's it's an investment in the characters is not quite so much what I'm looking for. And I was invested a little bit, um, but it's it's more. So what what were you invested then? If you went well, like I say, I was I was invested in uh, in in Amata Amata the deaf girl. Uh-huh. Um, you know, kind of her innocence in the whole thing and wanting her to stay alive. And I had a, a level of investment in that in that choice scene. You know, I was I I felt the sort of you know I, I suppose what I'm saying is the um, the fact that I responded to the, the the choice that she'd been given in that scene was was probably a product of a just how fucked up it was. Like that was that's the first really cruel thing going on. Mm. It's like directly about them. You know, everything else they've, they've been every other kind of threat to them at that point has been more. It's been slightly vaguer. It's just been like, you know, do this or they die. Do this or your girlfriend dies. Mm. Which is just kind of a pretty general threat. But this is like you've got 30 seconds to choose between one or the other. Mm. And that's and that's a product of that. But it's also a product of the fact that you could tell that these two characters are in love. You can tell, obviously, the girl loves her mum and is, is mm. uh, uh, distraught at what she's going through in the hospital. So, you know, I felt for that character as well and the choice that she was being forced to make. So you know, I, I had certain levels of investment, but I I agree with you that it's not you're not going to uh, sort of. Well, I I tell you what it is. It's not that I love the characters or anything, but I bought the whole thing. Yes. I bought the whole setup of the film and the way it was being told. I I didn't actually for a second like not believe what was happening. Yes. Yeah, okay. You... That's a good way of putting it. I mean, and that's another avenue of thinking about it because, I mean, for me, I was really fascinated by the beginning. You know, by the whole film being done as a screen grab and, you know, by the focusing on different elements and by the constant interruptions of, you know, a ping from Facebook and, mm. you know, Skype and, you know, having to remove oneself from the group and deal with that. Yeah, I, yeah. I thought that was really fascinating because actually I also see at least kind of my own kind of interactions with social media to be kind of like that. It's not like... It's partly distracted. It's partly multitasking. Yeah, there are always several things going on mm. in your screen at the same time. And I thought that was fascinating that the film can show that, you know, and still keep your attention and still keep... And actually tell of, an effective story. And tell a story... Despite the fact everything is so distracted. That's right. I thought that was fascinating at the beginning. Um, <clears throat> and then I thought kind of the film, you know, was very interesting kind of conceptually, really. Right? So I think that's what, what kind of grab my attention and I didn't expect all of the characters to be um, bumped off at the end really. you thought they'd be a survivor I thought they'd be a survivor a final girl uh, yeah I, uh, um, and, and I thought it was interesting because the film in a way leads you to think that so it kind of bumps off you know the least pleasant character <laughs> the, you know as the first one 
Um, so you think that there's going to be something like that. Uh, um, but I think it's also very gruesome. I mean, you know, the kind of... The film posits um, this person who's killing uh, young women on demand, who basically sells their death to a syndicate. So they choose what type of death the young girl suffers. And all of those things I really kind of found quite... Um, Just too gruesome for you. Yeah. Uh, I, that's, I think that, I mean that's fair enough I think that's a taste thing rather than a problem with the film I mean I kind of I like the, that level of gruesomeness yeah it's, I don't think it's overdone actually but I think like no it isn't overdone it's, it's not it's not overly graphic rather let's put it like that it's not overly graphic but but the film does bring up this this society or one of the members of this society wants the next girl who's killed to have a hole drilled into her head and to be and to have something live put into it mm. and, and that's just coming up as words on a screen you know in a chat you know do this do this do this and you're going oh <laughs> but it's like it's the opposite of graphic there's no yeah. graphics in it it's text <laughs> yeah actually almost everything happens off screen in that sense so you know the film is very good at kind of um relieving some of that uh uh Tension because really the situation is so gruesome mm. that if they'd actually shown it on screen, it, yeah. it would have been just too much. So I thought that was kind of um, tactful. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's like an interesting word to use in relation to the film. Like it shows you, it doesn't go overboard. And actually, I didn't feel like I wasn't showing anything that I didn't feel like it missed things, you know? I didn't feel like, oh, I wish it had shown this, that, or the other. And I didn't feel like it, it, it was also, it's, it's funny with a film like this. And with found footage in general, if we include it more generally in found footage, um, what you often feel is that the filmmaking, because it has to include the way that the film is made as like in its story, mm. you often feel like you're noticing sort of, oh, well, that's they've had to do something here to put the camera there for the film, and it's like, that wouldn't really happen. And I felt so little of that in this. No, that it was... felt really natural. It did. Though I also felt that all of the participants in the game who don't know that they are themselves the game, you know, um, were kind of crude types, mm. um, you know, that were also, you know, kind of actors' moments. And you felt, you know, most of them being actory with their actors' moments, right? So, for example, you know, the girl who has to choose between her mother and her girlfriend, right? It's like, you know, yeah, you could just see a young actress working herself up to this, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I guess so. <laughs> but it didn't. But it, it didn't feel like. So, I mean, it's 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 got it's a tough bit, right? Because she's she's having to act um, so uh, distraught and in shock and in pain and and everything that she's having to convey, and she's having to do it in a long extended take because she's on screen for this whole thirty seconds or more. That's tough, you know. She's not up to it. I, but I didn't think she was awful. I mean, I didn't think anyone was actually awful. Um, well, awful is no the wrong word, but I just think it, it really comes across as kind of young actors being actory and having their moment in a film. Yeah, maybe. You know, I, um, I, wasn't, you know, I wasn't convinced. I didn't feel that there was anything at stake with them as people. You know? Yeah, okay. I mean, they were just kind of like a plot function, you know, and they were almost kind of like a cliched... Uh, 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 plot function um, and I wasn't really kind of engaged with the film I, I, you know so from from halfway through so from the moment that you know a killer is revealed and the plot changes to him just having to keep his girlfriend alive right and then mm. you know the group interacts and so on I actually kind of felt slightly disengaged 
and the only moment that I really perked up was the very end where it's revealed that it's all been a game and that they are the game. I thought that was great. Yeah. You know? so, 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 so from my point of view, what I found really fascinating about the film was just the whole beginning setup with it as a computer screen and the way that that played out mm. and then kind of the twist at the end. You yeah. know, uh, so everything in the middle. <laughs> everything in the middle I found kind of almost by numbers really like you know I think it's it's in if you forget the the stylistic way in which it's been made it's certainly true that there's nothing hugely surprising about the plot of the film the way things develop yes you know the fact that someone's given this horrible choice to make or or just the way that people are being kind of picked off and mm. and uh, or the way that um, kind of this one guy this this part of this society is kind of stalking around and getting into these people's places. Like, it's nothing hugely surprising about those certain things, but I think it's all kind of put together well. I think actually the film starts off very slowly. I mean, probably because I'd seen things of this nature before and you hadn't, I was less interested in just the setting up of the screen casting hmm. sort of uh, filmmaking style, right? I mean, it, it was once the it was once the sort of interactions with the the dark web character got going. And the character and the main character started to get in over his head. That that's when the film perked up for me. Um, I'd say when it perked up is when it, um, it it shows you this really natural, believable, just computer screen, and all the stuff that happens and notifications coming in from the top right. It's a Mac screen, by the way, for anyone using Windows. Yes. You might be as familiar with it, but um, but it's very familiar to Jose and I because we use Macs. And you know, so it, so the dot coming in at the bottom, notifications on the top right, switching between screens, all very very natural, mm. and, and you 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 buy it all, and um, and having Facebook conversations, and then in the Facebook conversation, the the dark web guy says something, and it shows up in black in with, text with a black border rather than blue, which yes. is what you normally get, and that's not that's just just a, an invention for the film, and you go ooh something's yeah. going on, or or it, you know um, he glitches out. When he's on video, mm. um, and it, and he clearly like has some sort of magic technique of hiding himself on video, mm. you know, which which again completely invented and doesn't work in real life at all. But it is very very interesting and cool for the film. Do we know that it, there's nothing like that? Yeah, in real life? No, it doesn't. Yeah, it's nothing like that. I thought that the Facebook thing where they photoshopped one person's face onto the other was like too quick to be real <laughs> yeah uh, yeah that kind of thing is actually that's actually the most believable thing is is you know kind of do, uh, photoshopping a picture i mean i know but it would take hours yeah yeah um, <laughs> but, it, but it happens in 10 seconds in the film so yeah. obviously it's, it's slightly it's done slightly faster nonetheless though but but what i'm talking about is like the real inventions of these kind of magic dark web things like he can he can write a message in a different font and then and then delete it oh my god it's, and it's no, super cool it's that, like, was all, that was all I love that, that was all interesting that's when the film got going because I was like this is the this is the invention this is the creepy stuff um, I wanted to mention one of the things that really caught my eye which was actually just a name um, that came up uh, uh, in the credits and that was uh, the Russian director Timur Bekman Betov um, who uh, produced the film and I just wanted to bring it up because um, I'm, I'm kind of I'm not a fan of his films per se but I remember having a, a moment watching them where you know the visuals were so exciting he does kind of this mind-bending 
kind of space bending, curving distortions of geographical space. So in Wanted, there's a, th a thing where they shoot bullets and, you know, the bullets kind of move around space. Right? Oh, yeah, they curve the bullets. Yeah, they yeah. curve the bullets. And it's, you know, it's, it's a really dazzling kind of visual technique, which, you know, I kind of found out that he'd used in um, Night Watch and Day Watch, the Russian films, the Russian vampire films that he made, you know, and so kind of he's got dazzling kind of action sequences that are also conceptually dazzling yeah yeah um and so i was just fascinated to see his name attached actually it's a weird thing but like my eyes just perked up and it kind of it almost made me think oh why is he involved with this and kind of just you know mm. um lend more credence to the film <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the other thing that like, the the other producer of the film, which I think lends just as much credence, is is Jason Bloom, at Bloomhouse Productions, which is this. It's been going for ten years, maybe a few more, mm. um, maybe maybe twelve years. Um, and it's it's this Bloomhouse Productions is this small, low budget uh, horror film company, basically that has has had its name on quite a lot it's it's become kind of a, a big name in low budget horror if there's uh -huh. such a thing that things like like the purge and uh, paranormal activity i mean paranormal, paranormal activity is one of the most successful films of all time uh -huh. it cost like $15,000 and made nearly 200 million uh -huh. you know so like so blue mouth productions has got to be just about the most profitable company in history yes. <laughs> um just on percentage terms but like um i think i think uh, insidious as well um a few, a few other well, they make quite a lot of horrors, and they've also made quite a lot of horrors that have just gone nowhere. Right. But they've but they've made some kind of uh, series that have that have got some traction, and and I think just I, I like I like them as a company because I like sort of their attitude seems to be to give their filmmakers quite a lot of freedom. Mm. Really, I mean, you see it as well. They're, they're, I think is it A twenty four and a few other uh, like I say smaller sort of production companies. Mm. Um, that have been making big names for themselves um, by by handing over a lot, and they they make films on lower budgets, so there's less risk involved, and they don't tend to handle distribution themselves. I think you know they go to like Paramount or whoever mm. to distribute them. I think this is distributed distributed by Universal, mm. um, but it, 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 Bloomhouse is one of these names where you're always going to get something interesting okay. when you see them. Well, that's kind of like, you know a, an an interesting. Conjunction of names. I understand that this is the first film by um, the director. What did you? What's your? Uh, the writer director Stephen Susco. Yes. He's written before The Grudge, The Grudge Two, Texas Chainsaw Three D, but this is his first directorial film. Uh -huh. It's interesting as a director because I don't know how. It's tough to sort of say how much you can assign to him really because the style is not his own, mm. um, and uh, it. it, it from what I understand, it builds off the last film style, and, and there's a film. There's also a film called The Bay, which came out in 2012, which is similar in some ways. It's mm. um, it's a again kind of found footage desktop type film, which again I watched recently. It was an interesting movie. I liked it. Mm. It's a horror though, so you shouldn't watch it. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it was an interesting film. Um, it, that's that's it, it's different insofar as it's not done really as a screen cast, but it's done with it's done as a like a like a blog. Uh, like an environmental blog mm. um, about a sort of disaster that happened because of industrial this, that and the other. Uh, some sort of spillage, I think, in like Chesapeake Bay. And then monsters happen. Mm. And it's all done through people's home videos and stuff. And this, this girl has collected all this footage. and So that's, that was an interesting movie, The Bay. Can we talk mm. about it? I mean, what is the film playing 
against at the moment at the multiplex. So obviously the big film is Mission Impossible, and there's Ant Man and the Wasp. Um, what else is what uh, else is playing? I'm How just, is it being programmed? I suppose is my question. Let's have a look. What I think. I mean, Mission Impossible is um, still on, but that the big screens are being taken over by Ant Man and the Meg. Right. At the minute, so the Meg and Ant Man are the big films. There's something called The Darkest Minds, which we've not seen, which I think is like a teen superhero type thing. Okay, I'd like to see that. Um, Mamma Mia 2, which right. we've assiduously avoided so far. Well, you've assiduously avoided it. Kind of, I want to see it, okay, but well, I just we'll, haven't gotten around to it. Well, we'll see it then. Um, we'll see that. That's a promise that I've made on a podcast. Yes. <laughs> uh, Mission Impossible must... is still there. Incredibles 2 is still there. The Festival. Oh, God, that's out. I don't want to see that. The Festival, the... Um, the film that you like the look of. Yes, yes. From the Inbetweeners guys. Yes. And uh, and then some some small things. There's a couple of animated movies. Hotel Transylvania 3. Teen Titans go to the movies. Um, I'd like to see that too. So, I mean, I, I don't think it's... Uh, well, there certainly doesn't seem to be any horror. Right, okay. it, apart from Unfriended. So, so that's kind of where this is fitting in, in, in terms of the rest of the program. And that's interesting, actually. And I suppose in that sense, it does kind of... It does present an option. And it's an intelligent... Uh, option. I mean, I think kind of the film does deal with like um, issues, you know, and it's got kind of interesting ideas in terms of both storytelling, and I think it also has, you know, kind of something to say about the world that we live in and our fears within that world. So I didn't enjoy it very much, and it didn't hold me, <laughs> um, you know. But it does it does have those things going for it. I think. Yeah, I think it is smart. It's conversant with with the the world in which it's kind of being made, and and, yes. and the people it's being made for. It's not saying it's not a gimmick, right? Mm. It's like it, it looks like a gimmick. It looks so much like a gimmick, but it really isn't. I think that's it an important point. It actually builds on what it's doing, really kind of fully. And what you say about it being, uh, what it the fears it brings up about privacy and the way that we can be monitored yes. um, and the way that you know, people are see- I mean we're sitting here right now with a laptop in front of us which we could be being watched through you never know yes you could you know but you never sort of I'm always surprised actually because you turn Skype and it's all- and it's th- it's there and as soon as like <laughs> you know somebody rings you you appear right yeah. so kind of you have obviously been somewhere in the background being filmed I mean you are and yeah. obviously then in Unfriended it, it, it ramps it up and makes it into a, a horror thing yeah. um, which uh, you know again we've seen I think there's at least one episode of Black Mirror that does something similar mm. with that um, uh, so it's not the most original idea I mean there's, there's even there's a joke in Limmy's show about about you know putting tape over the screen and, and all the various cameras in the world and having to put tape over them um, so that you can't be watched but um, it, well, it might not be original, but it certainly kind of uh, makes you understand the reasons yeah. uh, people might be paranoid about it. Yeah, or fearful I mean, of it. it. Actually, not even paranoid. Honestly, fearful. <laughs> yeah, it's almost enough to make you stop wanking in front of your laptop. And on that note, <laughs> <laughs> a, 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 a final think, word on the film. I mean, I'm interested to see the first one as well because um, I think the first one was more in the realm of cyberbullying than privacy so I think there's like another aspect to to the, the modern cyber world that the, that the first film takes on that this okay so, so so for so from my point of view then I, I, I guess I could say that the, I didn't enjoy watching this one very much it nonetheless and paradoxically has made me now want to see the first film yeah what, one thing I'd be interested though in is um, how well it works on on a TV or on a smaller screen, because 
Um, some horror, I think. Well, some films, but I think particularly with horror because it's where you, the horror's where you can get these experiments um, done very cheaply and, and, mm. and kind of gruesomely effectively. Is is how well they work in different places. So Paranormal Activity, I remember when it came out, which was, I'm sure you know it, but it, it, Paranormal Activity is the film which is uh, based on the guy setting up, is again, it's found footage, but he sets up a video camera in his room at night to try and capture ghosts, mm. basically. And then you get these long, long takes of just very little happening, and then like a door closes and you go, <gasps> But I remember in the cinema, I really didn't find that very effective. I mm. thought it was really boring, actually. It was interesting, but boring. Um, not scary. And then I watched it at home when it came out on DVD. I watched it on my computer. And I was sat, like, you know, elbows on the desk, like, two feet from the thing. And it was terrifying because I was on my own. It was a dark room, and I was sat right up close to it. But it was like, it was as if... It was if it if it was as if it was like a, a video on YouTube or, or on a torrent website that you downloaded that was just called like paranormalactivity.mpeg and it was like what's this mm. creepy thing and it was so so different in the home environment than it was in the cinema. Whereas I, this film, this film is I think would be the other way around. I think when you're locked into the cinema and it's right there and, and it's this kind of big laptop screen is right in front of you I think it's really interesting I don't know how interesting it would be on a small screen for me horror only ever works for me at a cinema because I'm just too I'm just too much of a scaredy cat really I mean you know watching horror on a computer the first thing I do is I press the pause button and you know go go make myself a coffee (laughs) (laughs) you know and it could be like a half hour days later before I return to or never Right, so actually, I think there's an endurance aspect of what you know, watching a film. Like you're there, and you're there until the end. And mm. the filmmakers have control of time, right? And they're building rhythms through which to kind of scare you. Mm. And as soon as I take control over it, you know, I destroy all of that filmmaker's work. <laughs> You've got to be brave enough to to, to decide not to. Okay. I've, I've been watching. I've, I've been watching an awful lot of found footage recently because I just. I realised that there was, there was a whole kick of these found footage movies. Not all of them horror. I mean, there was that thing Chronicle, which was a superhero thing. Um, oh, I, yes, I like that. And there was a whole kind of... So there was a lot of these films which I'd been um, catching up with and, and watching just on my laptop. Mm. Um, and with the horror ones, like, they are scary, some of them, but you have to be brave enough to just not press pause. Well, I'm not. And actually, I think, it's, I think for me it's true... Um, of a lot of film viewing on, on TV, I don't know if I'm getting more distracted or something, right? But I find, for example, that if I'm working on a film, if I'm writing on a film, you know, if I watch in a cinema, it, it takes me an hour and 40 minutes or however long the film is to watch it. If I'm watching it at home, it could take me four hours. Mm. Like, you pause, you know, you rewind, you, yeah. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, a, it's a completely different experience. And one of the things that is sacrificed is the filmmaker's control over time. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, yeah, I mean let's let's say it's it's <laughs> as a rule it's better to see a film in the cinema. You know, that's where it's supposed to be. You're locked in and it's nice and big and it's a dark room and you can't press pause like you you don't have any control. And that's the point, seeding control. That's yeah. one of the points. So so I think that's a general rule, but I also think that it applies to horror more than than mm. any other genre I can think of actually. Yeah, that might be the case. Well, that lack of control is also important in in making you feel more scared. Yeah. If you feel like you can't stop it. That's right. I mean, and what I was saying about paranormal activity is true, but that is very specific to paranormal activity. I can't think of another film I've seen where I thought this only works on my computer. Mm. 
It was an interesting one, that. But Unfriended uh, was decent, and I, I, I would, you know, once you've seen Ant Man and Mission Impossible, <laughs> and The Incredibles too. Oh yeah, Incredibles too. It's a it's a decent horror movie, and I liked it. Yes, it kind of is. It's it is decent, and um, I did enjoy it. I've not enjoyed it. I kind of I'm glad I saw it. Um, <laughs> you know, and like you say, it's a very it's a it's it's not a gimmick. It's kind of like you know, a, a serious film in a way. Um, uh, on the other hand, it's a, you know, the film's currently playing at uh, the local screens. It's about four or fifth best. <laughs> yeah, sure. But it's, it's probably like second most interesting. I mean, I'd say it's more interesting than Ant-Man. It's more interesting even than Mission Impossible because of the way it's made and it's the way right. it tells its story. But, not, but obviously Mission Impossible is superior. Yes, <laughs> uh, and so is Ant-Man. And so it's, and you know, Incredibles 2 is like vastly superior. Mm. Um, it's better than Chomp. <laughs> yeah. Or the Meg, as it's called. Oh, yeah, sorry, the Meg. <laughs> even, though, yeah, even though Chomp's a much better title, we're not actually allowed to call it that, unfortunately. All right, so uh, thank you very much for listening. We are on Twitter, Facebook, eavesdroppingatthemovies.com, uh, YouTube. Yes, we, uh, we have now a have a channel. YouTube channel. Don't expect to see any video of us. It's just if we put the podcast up there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but it's you more have... convenient for some people. Yeah. Uh, so, thank you very much for listening, uh, and uh, do give us uh, feedback if you uh, like. Uh, we particularly value uh, disagreements, so feel free to 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 post them. Uh, and thank you very much for listening. Yeah. Bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs>